Second and 26 is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know SEC football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the GameTime app. Once you've pinpointed the seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the GameTime two-step checkout system next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back in to Second and 26. I'm your host, Aaron Suttles, Alabama beat writer here for The Athletic. It's Monday. It's your free edition of the podcast, Second and 26. Make sure that you guys are liking the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, commenting favorably on the podcast. I mentioned I'm Aaron Suttles. You can catch me on WJOX 94.5 Monday through Friday from 10 to 2. And we're here in a, in a very weird Monday. And it's been a very sort of um, melancholy last couple of days for Alabama football. Um, obviously, I'm talking about the injury to Tua Tonga-Valoa, one that has rocked the college football world and this Alabama football team to the point where, and I, and I wrote this in today's subtle thoughts, which you haven't, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's up at the Athletic, and it's 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 not something that a beat writer would would normally ever be able to admit or would even happen to a beat writer. But I don't I don't mind sharing it with you guys because I think one that it. It sort of indicates where we were when it happened after Tua um, was on the cart and was was hauled off and ESPN sideline reporter said it was a hip and that he's screaming in pain. I don't remember a single play after that because that wasn't the story. I mean, I was there covering the Alabama game, and but we don't cover it like everyone else. We... We know that you're watching the game. We know that you can go watch a replay of it right now on demand if you wanted to. We're, I'm trying to tell you a story of of things and trends differently than everyone else is telling you. And me telling you what happened in the 30 minutes or 33 minutes after Tua got hurt, well, you guys watched that. I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you that Mac Jones only scored three points as a starting quarterback. You know that. You watched it. I didn't watch a single play after Tua got hurt. Or I, I was there and I was watching it, but I wasn't, I wasn't chronicling it. I wasn't documenting it because it didn't matter because the story was Tua. Just like a few weeks earlier against Tennessee, the story was Tua. And I think that's, that's who Tua is. And we start talking about Tua's legacy. It's, and it, it, he never made it about himself, but it was always about him. And that's sort of the best way I can illustrate what he meant to a fan base, what he meant to a football program. This kid from Hawaii who came to the Deep South because he sensed um, 
a very similar culture to the one he he grew up in, which is weird for people to understand, considering he grew up in Hawaii, he's coming to Alabama, but this sort of uh, sense of community, sense of family, uh, a very deep-seated religious tie-in in both Hawaii and his family in, in Tuscaloosa that that found him here. But in every game he's played, it's always been about Tua. And he's not a look-at-me guy. That's never been who he is, but second and 26, the name of this podcast is a is a play that Tua Tongavaloa authored. I mean, February 26th will forever be second and 26 to Alabama fans. Anytime he did anything, it was always about Tua. And not because he made it about Tua, just because we enjoyed watching it so much. And it seems like it just started, and it's over with. And there's a certain sadness to that. The, the finality of that brings with it a certain sadness that's very heavy to discuss. I'm a beat writer. I'm objective. But I'm also a human being. And what I witnessed Saturday in Starkville, Mississippi, was sad to watch. I watched a young man of prodigious talent maybe have his career taken away. Now, we all hope that that is not the case. And in fact, the surgeon... Who, who's been putting out the releases that you've undoubtedly seen from the University of Alabama has said the surgery was successful this, this morning in, in Houston. That is, it's about a six to eight month process in which he can be back out on the field. We can be playing football again. And then it shouldn't be career th- threatening. And, and that's awesome news. But I also am a realist and know that football people, scouts, doctors, general managers will hold this against Tua because they're getting ready to invest a whole lot of money in a football player and they pour over those medical charts with a fine tooth comb. So Tua will hopefully be able to play and play well again. But you get the sense that he lost a whole lot of guaranteed money. But that's why there's such a sadness when it it happened. When I watched it, I was sad for him because – and I've tried to explain – listen, I've seen a lot of good football players. I watched Johnny Manziel. I covered, I covered two magnificent games he played against Alabama in 2012 and 2013. I watched Cam Newton in 2010. I've seen A.J. McCarron win a couple national championships. I've watched quarterback play. I covered Tim Tebow when he played Alabama a couple times. I've seen up close and personal what, what elite talent is at quarterback in the college football game. But I've never seen what Tua brought to it. It was art. That's the only way I can explain it to you. It was art. When I watched Tua play, I didn't think, man, that, that's the perfect seven-step drop. I didn't think, man, his footwork was incredible. When I watched him play, I didn't think, man, look how high that back elbow gets. What I, what I thought and what I felt when I watched Tua Tungvaloa play football was I was watching an artist. He made it look so easy. He was so incredibly accurate with his throws. There's a certain, I guess, in there was a certain romanticism to watching him play football. Not that I'm rooting for him or rooting against him, but just as a college football fan, I knew the first moment I saw Tua Tongvalo, I was watching something special. And it's just it's it's different than anything I've ever seen before. I've watched Johnny Manziel be very improvisational. I've watched Cam Newton be overpowering. Same with Tim Tebow. I've watched 
very mechanical quarterbacks have great games. But there was something very artistic about watching Tua Tungvaloa do it. That's the only way I can explain it. And as a writer, I'm probably doing a really poor job at doing it. But hopefully you get me. Because I've had people who hate the University of Alabama football program. Hate. That loved watching Tua play football. That's when you know you have something special. It literally took over the college football world on Saturday when I broke the news that Tua was out for the season. I've never had a tweet that anyone reacted to on such a widespread level. And I would prefer that it was something else on a great story I wrote, but I'm a realist. Uh, breaking news moves fast, and it did. And Tua's legacy will be one of greatness, but it will also be one of a little tinge of sadness that we were robbed, sort of, that we only got to see not even two full years of him playing quarterback in college football. But he'll always have the second and 26, but gosh, he's so much more than that. He cannot be typecast into one play. He is forever bigger than second and 26. Have you seen the videos floating around of him in the hospital with people coming to visit him? And he's dancing, and he's smiling, and he's tweeting out things like, thank you for the well wishes and the prayers. God has a plan. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I would have, if I had that kind of talent, and I'd had that injury. I'm throwing myself a pity party for a week. I'm turning the lights off. I'm pulling the covers over my head. And I'm having a pity party for myself. Poor me. What did I just lose? Tua, the same night, thanks everyone for their well wishes, thanks them for their prayers, and says that he has a faith in his God that he believes in, that there's a plan for him. And he's playing the ukulele, and he's singing. And he's dancing in his bed, which I'm sure the surgeons don't want to move in his hips. He has such a spirit about him that also defines him to us. So there's a playfulness that that sort of grounds him. That not all of us can even relate to being as good at something as he is at throwing a football, but we can all relate to being goofy. Hopefully, all of us can relate to being happy. I didn't mean to get all philosophical here, but when you start putting Tua's legacy in perspective, it's all of those things. It's how you felt when you watched him. It's what he did on a football field. It was the joy in which he did it, and it was being robbed of it by by injuries to a certain extent. To a certain extent, and that all kind of encapsulates Tua's legacy at Alabama. He'll go down as one of, if not the greatest, Alabama football player of all time. It's uh, it, it was a sad day watching in watching that you knew it ended. You, you just knew it was over, and there was a certain sadness to that. And that's not just Alabama fans. Trust me, as as my Twitter timeline can attest to, for three days now. Um, people who don't really pay a whole lot of attention to college football knew who Tua Tungvalu is, and that was because of his spirit. That was because of his unbelievable talent that we will no longer see. So what does it mean? Where does Alabama go from here? Well, they turned to Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones, who we saw start the Arkansas game and played pretty well. I thought offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian devised a pretty good game plan for, for Mac Jones to let the 
let the players, the skill position players around him be do all the heavy lifting? I mean, he'll be called upon. Fortunately for Alabama, what, what we've seen is Najee Harris is really starting to turn it on. And I suspect we'll, we will see more of Najee Harris. 22 is going to be more of the game plan moving forward because you just lost your best offensive player. Heck, not even offensive player. You just lost the team's best player. You just lost one of the best players in college football. So Najee Harris now, his role becomes even bigger. And he's played really good football lately. I mean, his numbers weren't uh, anything to really do a double take at on Saturday in Starkville. But he scored four touchdowns in the first half. It was the Najee Harris show. So I suspect you'll see a, a more of him, especially when you get to the Iron Bowl in a couple weeks. But that's... That's where they'll immediately turn. They're not going to completely turn their back on the passing game. Not when you have Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs III, who, by the way, two of those guys just got named semifinalist for the Bolitnikoff Award given to the nation's most outstanding wide receiver, Jerry Judy, who won the award last year, and Devontae Smith. Both up for their – they're two of 12 semifinalists. So a sixth of that list is comprised of Alabama receivers. So they're not going to – they're not just going to stop throwing the football – but you also have to realize and mitigate to a certain extent the fact that two is not in there anymore. It's a, it's a relatively inexperienced quarterback in Mac Jones. And Mac has a lot of, uh, a lot of weapons at his disposal. But you, I don't, for instance, I don't see them going out and asking Mac Jones to throw the ball 40 times. No, they may have to against Auburn. We got plenty of time to, to dissect that, but beyond that, it's not just Tua. I mean, Raekwon Davis has a sprained ankle. I saw him on crutches and in a walking boot in the fourth quarter. I'm going over to the Alabama sideline on the field at Mississippi State, and I look over, and Raekwon's in his team gear. He did. He wasn't in a jersey, but he he basically his warm up attire, their travel stuff, and he's got a walking boot and he's in crutches. I saw. The, the nose guard, DJ Dale, true freshman. He's got a spring knee. Henry Ruggs III. He's got bruised ribs. So they're a banged up football team. And I want to get to the injuries here in, in a couple minutes. But when you start factoring all that in, but mainly Tua, let's not lose sight of the fact that Tua is a defining, a season defining injury. How does the college football playoff committee treat Alabama tomorrow night? When those rankings drop on Tuesday night, how does how is Alabama defined? Because right now they're fifth. But you get the sense that the committee is going to view them a whole lot differently without one of college football's best players, and they probably should. Of course, it all is dependent upon how Alabama looks with Mac Jones at quarterback. If they go out and dominate Auburn in a couple of weeks and – Teams above them and behind them slip up enough. Maybe Alabama still finds its way into the college football playoff, but right now it certainly doesn't feel that, that way. doesn't feel like it's really possible, does it? And I, I, I've thought about it, and I don't know why it doesn't feel possible. They're fifth. They're one spot out of the playoff. But it feels like there's a huge hurdle in front of them. Do they keep the fifth spot with Mac Jones now as your quarterback? Because if they come in fifth again tomorrow night and then they went out, um, listen, 
Nothing they're going to do against Western Carolina is going to help their case at all. In fact, all it can do is hurt because Alabama has been a walking infirmary this year. If they get more injuries against Western Carolina, which is entirely possible, who knows how the committee treats them the following week. But they got an opportunity, but it certainly it just feels like it's out of reach. When Tua just remained on the ground at Mississippi State and that cart came out to get him and the realization hit that he's done, the college football playoff seemed like a far-fetched dream at that point. And it's really not, but it feels that way. And maybe it feels that way because now we know that Alabama can't win it. They were always going to be dangerous with Tua and those receivers. They were always going to be dangerous of catching fire and beating anybody. I mean, heck, they didn't even play that well. And they, they came within five points of beating LSU. So maybe they catch fire and they get in the playoff and they win two games. That's all it takes is two games. Maybe it felt like that was possible. But without him, even if they got in, can you envision them beating one of college football's elite teams right now with that defense and how banged up it is right now? Maybe that's why it, it seems far-fetched. Is because before, you sort of knew... Don't mess up and put Alabama in this college football playoff. They could still win that thing. To now, it's like, well, they could still get in, but they're not going to do any damage once they get in the tournament. That's that's just sort of how it is. And, and it'll be fascinating to see how the committee ranks them tomorrow night. One of the one of the byproducts, one of the conversations that stemmed from Tua's injury, and it happened immediately, was a need by media, by fans to place blame. And for the fans, I get it. For the fans, you're emotionally tied to a team. And you've been hurt. When your emotions are tied to something and there's a sense of loss, whether it be in a physical loss like we saw against LSU or a an injury loss with Tua, there's a need to lash out. And I've always told people, if you're one of these and you know you're emotional, do not pick up social media while you're still that way because you're going to say something that in the light of day or 24 hours period later that you're going to regret. So I, I, I always understand when fans are overly passionate. It's what makes college football so fun. It's why people care so much. But we saw it from, a, from, from college football, guys who've played the game, like calling out Nick Saban, what are you doing? Why was Tua still in the game? I've made my side on this very clear, and I even wrote this. I'm willing to engage in a in very civil conversation. Two reasonable people can be on different sides of this issue. I understand both sides of it. What I don't understand is this um, this widespread need that that we have to blame something. We have to blame someone. Isn't it possible that football is just a violent game and someone got hurt? And your response is probably, well, yeah, Aaron, that's a very reasonable take, but so is uh, an injured player shouldn't be in the game to get hurt, in which I would respond if he was injured and you're truly concerned about him, why did I not hear one college football analyst, one college football observer, one college football fan question why he played versus LSU? If he was so at risk of injury or re-injury, why did no one, and I mean not a single 
person question why he played versus LSU? Is it because they needed him to win? Is that the big thing? And if that's the case, if that's the sole criteria for why a player plays in the game, then why did Tua play in 90% of the college games he played? Because they didn't need him to beat Duke this year. They didn't need him to beat Tennessee this year or Ole Miss. You get where I'm going. If the criteria is you only play in games that you need a guy, then why did Tua play in any game? Why was Henry Ruggs III still in the game to get bruised ribs? I say all this to say sometimes injuries happen, and it's an unfortunate part of it. But it's true. When you play a game with very fast, very strong men colliding into each other, there are going to be broken bones. There are going to be torn ligaments. There are going to be concussions. There are going to be sprained ankles, and there are going to be dislocated hips. I don't blame Nick Saban for playing Tua on Saturday. I don't blame Nick Saban for keeping him in the game with three minutes and 40 seconds left in the second quarter of a 35-7 to game. I accept that football is a violent game and that sometimes people get hurt. If you differ in opinion with me, that's okay. We, we see things differently. Um, just like I, I heard Brian Greasy on the telecast calling out Nick Saban for why he's in the game. But likewise, I saw a former Alabama player, Barrett Jones, <clears throat> telling you the thought process of why Tua was still in the game. He's a, he's a college football player who's worked really hard to get to this point in his life. And he wanted to play football. And he'd earned the right to play football. And he did play football and he got hurt. And we all hope, and I think we can all agree, that we hope it doesn't end his career. But that's sort of where I come down on the should he have been in the game. He was healthy. The doctors cleared him. He and his family advocated during the week that he wanted to play. They worked him out pregame. They, they determined he's well enough to play. He played. He got hurt. It's a sad story, but they do think he'll be able to play again. Which leads me to this. I've been asked this question a lot over the last couple of years, and I just I don't I don't know enough. I simply I simply chalked it up to coincidence. But what do we make of all these Alabama injuries? Is there another college football team that's dealt with as many injuries this year? I mean, just think. I mean, it, it, think about think about Saturday when Alabama plays Western Carolina. LeBron Ray has been out for most of the season with a foot injury. Raekwon Davis likely won't play with a sprained ankle. DJ Dale likely won't play with a sprained knee. Fedarian Mathis likely won't play due to an injury. That's four defensive linemen, not in the lineup. You know you're already down your two starting inside linebackers and have been all year. Now you're dealing with a Tua injury. I've had multiple people ask me if, if it's a byproduct of something Alabama's doing in their strength and conditioning program, and I can't see that there's anything to that. I understand why there are questions, but Alabama hasn't changed anything. So I don't know 
other than just simply a run of bad luck, I don't know what to make of this injury situation. And if someone who's a, a head athletic trainer or knows a lot about physiology and training and they know specifically what Alabama's doing or the change in body types that Alabama has recruited since the hurry-up, no-huddle, I'm willing to listen to anything. Other, I, the only thing I can make is just it's bad luck. Football's a game in which fast, strong people run into each other. It's a game of sharp turns and quick cuts and full stop and full go. And sometimes ligaments and muscles strain or tear. I know I know it's not the answer you're looking for. That's all I got because I don't think Scott Cochran's doing anything differently in the strength and conditioning program. I think it's bad luck, and I think that's all it is. Hey, coming up, uh, we'll have more, obviously, second and 26. We got a special a special one on tap for you coming up rather shortly. It's uh, Allium's all-decade team, which was a lot of fun to put together, which is sure, I'm sure you'll all agree with every one of my selections. <laughs> I'll, I'll agree with every one of my selections. There won't be any controversy. I There were a couple of really tough ones that um, – I included or had to leave off, and I'll, I'll save that. We're going to do a special podcast going over that um, that you'll be able to enjoy shortly. But I appreciate your feedback. Um, I'll be dropping another mailbag. Thanks for the questions that you guys submit every week, and I'll try to feature some more of those on the podcast. But for uh, for Tua Tonga-Valoa, it's the last time we're going to see him. It's certainly sad. If you want to share your memory of uh of your favorite to a play to a play you can certainly do that in the comments or um you can reach me at my twitter or any of the articles i write i'm aaron subtles for the athletic signing off on another second